0: Praises. I'd like to have you sing a song together. Song number 805. I'm going to be singing just the first and the last verses. And this song may not relate directly. To what I'd like to share with you this morning, but um, if we understand God's love, at least in a measure, understand God's love for us, then we are much better prepared to express our love for our families as well. All right, first and last verses, 805 in Zion's Praises.
1: Lord, light the great fires of your love in my soul. O oh, kindle those birds divine. And let your great Spirit flow freely within to witness that Jesus is mine. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you today. I love you in spirit and mind. I'm satisfied now in Your love. I'm satisfied now in Your love. Oh, fill me and use me and bless me, I pray, and grace, O my love, Your love, that I may breathe humbly and boldly the truth That blazes your glory above. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you today. I love you in spirit and mind. My body is yours for anything, Lord. I'm satisfied now. I'm satisfied in your love.
0: I invite you to turn to Psalm 78 this morning. As I was considering what to share with you as a congregation today, I am. Um, It led me to do just a bit of of um, looking at the um, somehow looking in one way looking at the face of the congregation. Um, I was thinking about families, and I noticed that there are twice as many families with children at home than there are with those of us who do not have children at home. So that tells you a bit about um, what our congregation is like. And we have some families who have, and they're not necessarily here this morning, but some families who have one child just beginning this this thing of raising a family and and there's a few like that, then there are a few that have two or three children, then there are some that have have more. And um Delvin and Lily have outdone all of us. And that's great. Bless you with all of your family. Yes, indeed. So as I was considering that, I was I was thinking of you know, the church, the church, the local body, depends a lot for its direction that it will, where, the direction that it will be taking. And I know it's only part of it. I understand that. It depends on leadership. I know it does. But the direction of a congregation depends a lot on what parents teach and how they instruct and teach their children now i don't want to overemphasize that but i don't want to neglect it either go the other extreme so and that's that's the the thing that i i've been thinking about there are three of us as families that are here that are kind of all grouped together in one year our ages are similar and then there's a gap and then it keeps lowering and then you have we have majority of the congregation are actually the younger set so and i like to see that I like that variety, but I want you to consider that you as families that have your children at home with you yet, that it's, it's your responsibility sometime. Some of you are going to need to accept and take some leadership in the church. But... The face of the congregation is also going to be your responsibility as, as, as to how you instruct and teach your children. That's going to affect the church. And so if you neglect, as younger families, as you, if you neglect instructing and teaching your children in the ways of God, and then the face of this congregation is going to start to change. And I hope that my hope and prayer this morning is that 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 you will take your responsibilities seriously. Now, I've heard it Saturday, some people feel that the church is the most important institution in our world. The church is very important. That is true. But I want you to understand that the face of the church—that the church is not going to ever be more than what our families are in the church. And so that's that's my burden this morning. So it's it's this, it's the kind of thing that we as families. As parents, we are responsible to communicate. And that's a word I want to emphasize this morning, this thing of communication. I want to focus on that. So it's important that you as families, as parents who are responsible, you were responsible to bring these children into the world, unless it's by adoption, which we have happened here. And that's great. You just take those children and you just indoctrinate them. Okay? Even as those, we as parents who have biological children. And so, you take those children, you 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 indoctrinate them, you saturate their minds, guide their lives. The church depends on it. I say the church, the, the home... Parents have a greater responsibility, have the first responsibility to establish and fortify children to face the dangers of life. And those dangers are not getting less. They are getting more intense. And so parents, grab a hold of that. Sense that intensity that you need to fortify your children, to be effective adults later on in their lives, should God tarry, that they are ready to assume the responsibility of even church leadership. Time goes on. See how old how old is this congregation now? Someone tell me how old is the congregation? well it's probably not quite say it's not in the 70s it's maybe close to 6 some 60 okay so it's we're a relatively young congregation we really are being established and so should the lord tarry i would hope i would hope there is someone sitting here this morning That God is preparing even now, unknowingly, to you as parents. But preparing someone to pick up that mantle. And I know that our ministry is relatively young yet. And so we expect you to be around a long time. Eric, you be around a long time, okay? But sometime, sometime, there's a young man possibly sitting in this congregation right now, and maybe we don't know. But it's you're you're responsible as parents to indoctrinate, to teach those children, prepare themselves for whatever, whatever God asks of this coming generation. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. I'd like to read the first eight verses. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. I want you to catch how many generations that parents are responsible for. At least have an influence. Verse three, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. And we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength, His wonderful works that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. How many generations are listed here? How many generations our parents at least have an influence on? Anyone follow that? There are at least four. At least four. And it almost suggests that there are five. You're right, Eileen. That's the calculation I came up with, anyway. All right. So, that's almost scary, isn't it? Now I know that what I teach my children is a guarantee that generations to come are going to be influenced and are affected by that. But there is there is something that something that struck me is that it's almost scary to think of that how far that that your influence can go especially as parents responsible for children and the next generation i am not i am not planning and i hope my children have never picked up on this that And I hope that they do not feel that I'm stepping in and trying to teach their children. My role as a grandparent, my role as a grandparent is to be there to support and to encourage, commend. And I want to do that. If I fail to do that, I'm sorry. And I want to, I want to be there to, to support and encourage. So that's the role of us as grandparents, at least partially. That's the role. We are there to encourage, to fortify, to strengthen, and to bless these children that God has given to our children. All right. So God says, God says, I want you to listen to what I am teaching you so that the generations to come will know as you transmit that, as you share that with the coming generations. So parents, while you are instructing your children in the ways of God now, you are preparing them, not only for their own lives, but you are preparing them to instruct the next generation. And that's just the perpetuation of the Gospel Needs to go with God's people one generation after the other. And if one generation fails, what happens to the next generations? Tremendous loss. So much is lost. So I encourage you and I bless you as parents with children surrounding you. Pick up that mantle. Take it seriously. Saturate their lives in the Scriptures. Give them direction for life. Communicate to them well. Communicate to them the right things. Don't neglect. You see, the next generation is learning constantly. Children have... They're like a sponge. They absorb. They learn very well. Their, their, their minds are searching. Their minds are open. And you see, God has given us a plan and a design that we are to follow as God's people to help the next generation prepare for life so that they are fortified and they're equipped... To help the following generation, children will learn either by design or by default. They'll learn what life is all about either by design or by default. They will learn. And so it's our responsibility to make sure. Communication communication is, is the imparting of information with the expectation that the recipient will act upon it. That's communication. Now, I may speak I may speak to someone and I may give instruction. Have I communicated if that person that I'm talking to is thinking totally something else? Have I communicated? Sometimes it seems that way when parents communicate to their children. It seems like there's just a big gap between what is imparted by way of information and instruction. But they fail to absorb that. You ever think about it that God gets maybe gets frustrated? Well, maybe He doesn't get frustrated, but He's extremely disappointed in us when He gives us instructions, clear, clear instructions from His Word. And then we know it's there. But we don't respond to it. Has God communicated? Communication in the fullest in the fullest sense of it is when the one that hears, absorbs, and responds to it, then acts upon it. Then communication has happened. It's made a difference. All right. Five words I'd like for you to consider when it comes to this thing of communication in our families. Communication is to be done directly or it is to be done consciously. It is a deliberate act. We are to instruct. Here it says we teach our children one generation to the next. We are responsible as our families are with us. We do it consciously. Deuteronomy 6 some of the instructions that are given there are so clear. We must instruct our children. We tell them about the ways of God. We tell them the goodness of God. And also the very fact that if we if we deliberately disobey God, God, God always brings us to judgment for that. That's something, Deuteronomy 6 is clear that that's something that must be instructed in our children. Must be, we must help them to imbibe those things, to absorb those things. So do it consciously. It's a deliberate act, teaching them. Then the second thing is you do it clearly or with clarity. When you give instructions, instructions are to be given In a way that is easy to understand. What happens when you are given instructions and they are... Do you ever get frustrated with instructions when they cease to be instructions? You know, you get something and you say, you're supposed to put this together. And so you look at the instructions. And you need instructions to understand the instructions. Nothing clear about it at all. Our families can become frustrated when we are not clear. The third thing is that we must do it. Our instructions must be in communicating to our children it must be done consistently. What can happen is that if If I give instructions to my children, if I give instructions to my children about a certain matter, later on I give different instructions, what does that do? Someone tell me, what comes to your mind? It's another C word. Pardon me? Confusion. Yes. Be consistent. And number four. Don't ever stop. Continue. Keep right on going. Those, those children need to, sometimes especially, need to have constant instruction while they, we are responsible for them, while they're responsible to us. And then we must continually do that. And then I'd like for you to consider another word. I want you to surround all of those four things. Those C words. Do it consciously. Do it with clarity. Do it consistently. Do it continually. And I want you to surround that, those four words, and those instructions with compassion. Get a hold of the heart of your children so that there will be a response on their part. Do it compassionately. Yes, do it with passion, yes. But be compassionate in your trying to help your children to prepare them for life. There are five basic things that I'd like to share with you this morning that I think we need to be very, very clear and do consciously. Do it with compassion. And do it with passion. Five different things that I think that we need to teach our children to this generation, this coming generation, to fortify them for life, to face life. Five basic things that I think need to be clearly, clearly taught to our children. The first one is a love for God. That is the foundation for life, obviously. A love for God. The second thing is the value of healthy relationships. And I know this is very practical, but when it comes to instructing and guiding our families, we must be practical. The value of healthy relationships. The third thing is, teach them the necessity of being industrious. Are they should learn how to work. The fourth thing is the imperative of living a disciplined life. And then the fifth thing is the weight of the Great Commission. I like to just look at these five things just a little more in depth. I don't want to spend too much time here. But these five things: love for God, value of healthy relationship, necessity of being industrious, the imperative of living a disciplined life, and then the way to the Great Commission—a love for God. Matthew twenty-two verses thirty-four to forty. I'd like for you to turn there, and I'd like to just look at those several verses there. And this is this is something that comes from instruction. Instruction that comes from the old the old covenant, Matthew twenty two, thirty-four to forty. The Pharisees had heard that he had put to the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And then Jesus said this Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. In fact, I'd like for you to help me read. The Verses 37 and 38. Alright, together. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy
1: heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment.
0: Alright, then verse 39. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So, in answer to this question, which is the great commandment? He said there are actually two. It's a love for God first, then love for your fellow men. And so, actually, this leads to the first two things that I'd like for you to consider. The value of uh, love for God and then the value of healthy relationship. In our love for God, that's the first And most important, that's the foundational position. That's the foundational aspect of life that our children need to learn. And they learn that basically from observation, at least when they are younger. A love for God. How is that practical? Well, let's just look at this a little bit more and then... I'd like to share just a few practical things with you. The first 4 of the 10 commandments focus on our relationship with God. The last 6 focus on our relationship to our fellow men. Read through the 10 commandments and then you'll see that. So, the foundational the foundational position the 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 greatest teaching that we can convey to our families is a love for God. You are to love your God, love God with all your heart, soul, mind. You're all of life. Our children, we need to show that to our children. That's our response to God Himself. It's the focus of life. It's, it's what we live for. We instruct our children. We help them to learn to value the scriptures which help us to understand of who God is and what God expects from us. Maybe it begins with reading just simple Bible stories. Maybe it, but teach them, instruct them, help them to understand from the Scriptures, that God has a claim on my life. And then, when that time comes, when God begins to speak to that child, that they understand that's God's call. And they are responsible for that. So it's with everything that you have, all that you do needs to at least be somewhat focused on this thing. Love for God is the most important thing in love, uh, in life. The love for the church, the love for the scriptures, the importance of those, how it factors into life, and what it should mean. You not only instruct them, but you live that kind of life. Okay? Then the second thing is, the value of healthy relationships. thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself." Ephesians 4 verse 32. Someone quote that verse for us. Ephesians 4:32 Go on. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you, yes. The value of healthy relationships. The preparation of a child in a home setting helps them to understand how to get along in life with others. If there are siblings, teach them how to get along with each other. the best thing you can do, parents, is to show them, not only instruct them when they have struggles. You know, it starts, a child begins, it's, it's sibling relationships. And you know, because, because siblings are together, they're day after day after day after day. After day. Um, you know, the people that you are with the most... You may love the most, but you may antagonize them the most too. That's the way children are left to their own devices. That's where children learn the value of healthy relationships. Speaking kindly to each other. You say, well, what does... You know what that has to do with relationships later on in life? They learn it now. When they are young. Interaction in the family. Interaction with children. That's so important. It begins with parents relating to each other well. You know that children absorb more by example then by verbal commands. And so, if the verbal commands are supported with the example, then they have two things that will fortify these kinds of things in their minds and prepare them for life the value of healthy relationships. Help your children to get along with their siblings. Get along with their parents. That will prepare them to get along when they go to school. That will prepare them when they get into the workforce. Interaction. You know, actually, life is a series of relationships. That's what it is. That's what life is about. Whether it's at home, in the church... In the community, wherever you are, unless you are a hermit, even then, I would think you'd have to try to get along with yourself. All right, number three, the necessity of being industrious. The necessity of being industrious, learning how to work, learning how to work. You need to teach them to work. The book of Proverbs has a number of instructions of how that we are to be diligent. We are to be busy. We are to be, even in that being, trustworthy. Is it possible? Is it possible, parents, to teach children to enjoy work? Do your children enjoy working? Little chores to do, of course, when they are younger, that kind of thing. We need to be careful and be suitable to their, to their, uh, uh, aptitude of taking care of things, obviously. But we must instruct them. We must instruct them to be busy. The busy body. The busy body is Of course, less apt to get into trouble. But teach your children how to work, to be diligent. And in that, being diligent, being honest. Actually, the greater part of life involves work. It is. Why not, then, prepare them to at least Find a measure of fulfillment in working. Being productive. Being a blessing to themselves and to others also. Industriousness is the greatest way for provision. What happens is that There is a mentality that is pervasive in our society is give me instead of I'm giving. All right. Enough said there. All right. Number four. The imperative of living a disciplined life. Proverbs 22, verse six. And I am not. I, am, I, don't want to, I don't want to give you the impression that I totally understand this verse. And I know there's been a lot of discussion. There's been a lot of argument about this verse. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go and what's the last part of it? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, Train. When you train, that word train has the idea of channeling, channeling the mind, directing the mind, instructing, instructing to bring that mind in the right direction. Train a child. In the way he should go. And it's actually, it's controlled. Disciplined. That's the idea of this thing trained. It's to instruct that mind to, to imprint as it were in that mind that perceptive and acceptive mind is to imprint that to guide them in a certain way in a certain direction. They will go in that direction And then they will not depart from it. It's setting a pattern. Giving them an example by your own life. A disciplined life is one that is responsible. A disciplined life is one that is trustworthy, dependable, is stable, is directed. It's Again, it's like imprinting the mind. To dedicate, to consecrate. And you do that by example and by instruction over and over and over again. And number five, communicate to our posterity the weight of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, I'm just going to read a couple of verses there. I know they're familiar, but sometimes we just kind of go over some of these verses and really don't catch the meaning. Matthew 28 verse 18. Oh, there it is. Okay, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all, even unto the end of the world. We call that the Great Commission. And it is. A commission, a commission is some, as a weight that has been placed on us as God's People with an extremely important responsibility. Somehow, somehow, we have to connect with our children and help them to understand. I am not on the earth here just to have a good time. Yes, relationships are important. Yes, to be in, be industrious is important as well. To lead a disciplined life, that is all, those are all very, very important things to learn in life and to absorb, to allow it to direct my life. But those, all those things should be channeled and directed in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We are to share with others. We are not here just to work. We are not here just to have a good relationship with others. Yes, that's important. We are here to share God's love to others. Whether it's in a church setting, whether it's a community setting, wherever God calls us, We must communicate that to our families, to our children. That's why we're here. We do God's work on earth until he sends his son back and said, that's it. We are responsible. And so, that weighs on us. That's why I'm here. That's why God has placed me on this earth. The ultimate purpose of my being here on earth is to glorify God. And that comes to this point of sharing God with others. And our children need to understand that. So it starts at home. It starts and it leads to the ends of the earth. Heavy responsibility. We are responsible as parents and grandparents to help direct the coming generation or the generation that is following us that's already here. That that follow us. We are responsible. We have our hands are full. God calls us to that. And so I bless you and I encourage you that is god has placed those responsibilities on us whatever wherever we are in our life do it do it well do it to please god to praise him and to be a tremendous blessing to the generation which is to come if we could all if we could all have the testimony that god said about Abraham. Genesis 18 verse 19. He says, "For I know, I know him, that he will teach or command his children after him." Have I made mistakes? Yes, I have. And in fact, I hope that I hope that my children can go beyond and will and probably have in some ways gone beyond and maybe have even done a better job than I did. But I thank God for my family and I bless them. And I pray that they would be faithful. And I pray that you will be faithful wherever you are, wherever God calls you, and wherever you are in your life. God bless you. Would you kneel to pray, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the order that you have planned for mankind. Thank you, Lord, for our families. We reflect on our own parents, the blessing, tremendous blessing they've been in our lives, the help that they have been, giving direction for life. And now I pray that as those, direction, those responsibilities have been handed to us and to even future generations, I pray that we would continue to sense that responsibility and be faithful in the calling that we have. Bless each of these parents. Father, I pray that they would be diligent in their responsibilities. Would you guide them? Help them to understand and know your will and your way for them. And taking care of those responsibilities that you placed into their hands. Thank you Lord for the congregation and each family. And I pray that the, the teaching from your word would continue to go, go on from one generation to the next. That even after we are gone, that the gospel would continue to go forth because of faithful families, faithful leaders. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.